to the sound of the start of your weekend. Welcome. This is the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. We're sponsored by Betfair because this podcast is very specifically about betting and betting picks ahead of the EFL weekend. It is for over 18s only. If you are listening to this and thinking of having a bet this weekend or any time, please be gamble aware. Head to begambleaware.org for more information, for more context around the risks that come with betting. Now then, now then, Brad Friedel once played 310 straight Premier League games, which is an astonishing record that still stands and probably will forever. George Ellick is falling just short of that record in terms of consecutive NTT20 podcast appearances. Sadly, George can't make it today for the betting show. The good thing is we have a cracking replacement. The, the great shame, I guess, is that having achieved La Decima last weekend, 10 nap winners in a row, he couldn't choose between Norwich and Swansea. We worried that he would pick the wrong one. He didn't. Napped up Norwich. They won 10 in a row for George. Um, he can't look for La Undecima this week, uh, unfortunately, but it was a good week for him again. That nap winner uh, and Scott Hogan scoring any time for him at 16 to 5. Uh, another strong week for him and a small winning week for me. Finally, a nap winner, Newport against Colu. My lay of Solihull against Hartlepool was a good thing. At Woking, well, that was void. Seventh tier FA Cup first round ties, goal bonanza. Uh, one out of two, Charlton Colville had the goals, but Burton and Needham didn't. And Reading Preston was not goalless. So this week, who is with me instead? Nick Goff is here. Hello, mate. How are you? Ali, how are you doing? Thank you. It's an, it's an honour. It's a privilege to be inv- in, invited on your successful show. I'm not, <laughs> I, can only, I can only imagine that the, the nine above me on the list couldn't make it. Uh, and, and the, and the tenth, tenth choice is here. I feel a bit like Lopetegui when there must have been nine Michael Beals. <laughs> Are all of your reference points Wolverhampton Wanderers related? Well, you are a Wolves fan. Not, not quite on brand for this pod, actually, are they? But, but the Michael Beale uh, reference was, so I thought I'd get away with it. <laughs> but it's not your debut on Not The Top 20 pod because it, you're a returning guest. You, you were part of our playoff betting preview shows in, in 2019. Um, you, me, George and Paul Hurst joined us on there as well. That was good fun and I'm sure a fond memory of yours. Yeah, it really was. I enjoyed that. And I was, I was gutted that you didn't do it again the next year. I was, I was looking forward to another beer with Hursty. Maybe we'll get something sorted for, for these playoffs. I actually found, remarkable this, I found that there's a whole website dedicated to Friedel's record called 310friedel.com. I'm not making this up. It's very, it's very David Stockdale, for those who remember David Stockdale's very strange website that he has. And it's all about the record. It's trying to basically build a brand for Friedel around this record. Um, and the blurb ends with Brad Friedel is 310, intelligent, talented, consistent, durable, reliable, charismatic, dependable, and steady. <laughs> and it hasn't been updated for a few years. Goodness uh, me. <laughs> Nick, you used to have a, a very popular betting podcast called Only Balls and Horses uh, with Ollie Bell and Tom Stanley. And you are a pro punter on football so great to have you on uh, in replacement of George H- how much of your pro punting life is EFL focused I do all four of the English leagues I, I stop at the bottom of the league so I don't do any non-league football the Premier League is is my biggest league just because you, you, you know you can get the most turnover there you can early in the week you can get bigger bets on as well but I do I do follow all three of the of the EFL leagues I you know, I support a team who spent 25 of my first 30 years in the championship. So, 
I, I had no choice but to watch a lot of championship football in, in those days uh, and a little dip into League One 10 years ago as well, which was good fun. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I follow all the leagues and um, oh, no pressure now. You, yeah, professional punter, as you say. I'm taking over from Georgia after 10 naps in a row. <laughs> what could go wrong? A question about EFL punting more broadly. George and I have been doing this show for at least four years now, three to four seasons. And when we first started, we felt like we... Uh, had got we'd got in front of of XG basically, and we felt like in the early days um, it gave us an edge of sorts, both in terms of the Monday pod, just like predicting which teams might go on a good run or might fall away, and also from a betting perspective, feeling like that there were those examples of teams who we could maybe get in front of um, good or, or bad results from. I don't feel like that edge really exists anymore because I assume the bookmakers build in pretty extreme data models into their pricing based on XG. Is that something that you have sort of experienced and felt quite strongly in your professional life? And has that been a good, a bad thing for you? Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't think, I think the biggest change has come even earlier on in the week now, where the the market doesn't get too much wrong on the 1x2s and the total goal lines, even early, even on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's what, uh, the, the people using decent numbers were getting the prices right by Friday night, Saturday morning, or close to right in the main five, six, seven years ago. But the but when when you wanted to do a pod like this on a on a Thursday to go live Thursday night or whatever, there would still be lots of mistakes, especially in the EFL at that point on a, on a Thursday. But bookmakers are, are better now at that. So I I feel like almost trying to get an edge purely with numbers is extremely difficult, and you need to combine two things. You need to have good. You need to be. At, you need to have good numbers at your disposal, but you also need to watch a lot of football and be noticing things in games that might not be in the numbers. Now, that's a really good thing for those of us who got into football betting in the first place because we like watching football. Hmm. Yeah, for a while, sort of numbers almost took over, but we backed ourselves in the old days just by watching football and thinking we could notice things that other people didn't see that weren't in the prices without having a. A, a load of data at our hand but now the market has got good enough that you that i think you need both to, to be a successful punter even midweek on on things like the one x2s the match odds and the total goals or asian handicaps or um, asian goal lines you need to be watching a fair bit of football and just seeing some little things that that numbers maybe anyone's numbers don't pick up and you need to have access to good numbers and, and see trends within data as well so it's got that hard, but that's the way of the world. Nothing ever gets easier, does it? <laughs> no, certainly not. Well, looking forward to, to yeah picking up some tips from you, basically in a in both a literal and a figurative sense. I, I did better than George on this show last season, and um, pathetically, it made me incredibly happy because I'm incredibly competitive. Um, it's quite hard to keep up with ten naps in a row, but and and delighted for him. I want to put that on record as well. Honestly, <laughs> delighted. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to me to see how you tackle the, the structure that we set for this show with a nap, with a next best, a lay on the Betfair exchange, a goals pick and a goal scorer pick. So let's start with your nap. What's your best bet in the EFL this weekend right. and why? Right, so I'm going to start off by making references to, to George's 10 in a row. And I'm not even going to try and compete with that because I think you could do this betting show for another 25 years and neither of you will ever hit 10 in a row naps at those prices. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it, let's, let's, take our, let's doff our caps to George here and say... 
10 in a row around those prices. To have done 10 in a row is a superb effort. So I'm not going to compete with that. What I'm going to try and do instead with my nap is to try and pick an outsider at a big price and hit a big price nap. And my first one this week is Cambridge at 14 to 5 at home to Bolton Wanderers. Um, reasoning here is that I just, at the beginning of the season, I had Bolton down as a very solid League One side who I thought would be definitely in the top six places. And they still might, but they've just been sort of underwhelming me a little bit for, for a few weeks now. And I've seen, I've seen a bit of a blip in performances that hasn't been fully reflected in results because they've dug themselves out of jail late in some games. They were 2-0 down at Accrington a few weeks ago, came back and won it 3-2 late. They're 1-0 down at home to Burton and they score a 99th minute winner and win that one, um, 1-0. Um, they were well beaten by Oxford last week and a couple of weeks ago away to Forest Green in a pretty similar spot to this, away at one of the lower lights, uh, got beat 1-0. So there's a few reasons for me to want to be against Bolton at the moment. And on the other side, on the Cambridge side, they found this second season at this level a little bit tougher, as they're entitled to, as a small club in this real haves and have-nots divisions where you've got 10 League One clubs or so who feel they should be in the Championship. Um, and for Cambridge to even go shoulder to shoulder with those with those sides has been, has been very tough. Managed it last year, finding it a bit tougher this year. And they've had, you know, they've had some injuries and they've... I've got another injury recently. I've seen Adam Mays out for the rest of the season now, I think. So, you know, another injury there for them. But they are very well managed. They have shown some signs recently of, of coming back to something like the old Cambridge. That 3-2 win at Wickham was a, you know, a, a real sort of Cambridge-style performance. And they played pretty well, I thought, in a 1-0 loss at Peterborough the other day. Mm. You know, a side that are definitely going to finish in the top six. Um, no disgrace to get beaten 1-0 there. The other thing I think with Cambridge because they are a small squad, smaller club, is you don't want to be with them in these three-game game weeks. When they've got three games in seven days, it just becomes too much for them. They can't rotate enough, uh, and the bigger clubs in the division have their advantage there. So they've had a, a free week since their FA Cup game, um, and this might be the right spot for them. To um, and you know they rested a few in the cup at Curzon and Ashton. They you know they didn't go um, they didn't go fully um, reserves, but they mm. you know they were able to rotate and and uh, and rest a few. Um, and I think this is a spot. This is the kind of spot where you want to be with Cambridge at a big price, where they've had the week off, where they're playing against a side who have just had a bit of a dip, um, where you know Bonner can sort of work his magic. And we you know he's a friend of your party. He was at your, at your live show. Mm. Spoke very well. I thought that night. Um, yeah, so for me, at 14 to 5, this is the sort of price and the sort of spot where I want to be with a team like Cambridge. So that's the that's the nap, and hopefully we'll land one at a big price. Well, it, it's a great start for my own confidence levels because uh, Bolton were my or are my lay um, using the bet for exchange. So I'll just touch on that. Um, I won't add too much uh, other than to say I've, I've been matched at 2.02, the, low, the lay. Um, I, and I agree. I just think they're playing pretty badly. I think that's reflected in the fact that they've conceded the first goal in six of their last eight games. Uh, the other two, where they didn't concede the first goal, was in, were a nil draw with Barnsley in the league uh, and beating Leeds Unders in the Pizza Trophy, which I think we can pretty much scrap. So six of the last seven meaningful games, Bolton have conceded the first goal. That's enough for me to, to feel that there's something not quite right at play um, in, in their setup, in their motivation, whatever it, it might be. Uh, obviously, Cambridge, their results in the last six weeks have been very poor. But um, before that, they obviously won their first four at home 
playing pretty well and now have lost their last four at home playing pretty poorly. So um, hoping for a, a, a resurgent Cambridge performance here. Um, so that's good to hear. I also might just quickly flag up Sam Smith of Cambridge as an anytime goal scorer. He's not my official pick, but it was so close between him and the guy that I have ended up picking with. So given that they're your nap and we're focusing on Cambridge, I'll just flag up the fact that Sam Smith, uh, well, he's due. I think it's the best way to put it. Since his last goal, he's had 25 shots in the league, nine of them on target and saved, seven off target, nine of them blocked, just under three expected goals since the last time that he scored. Um, it's a bit of a weird one because he's only got four goals a season and three of them came in the same game against Burton. Now, maybe those that game massage his stats a bit, you know, seventh for the shots per 90 in the league for, for players that have played more than 900 minutes, fifth highest XG per 90 uh, as well. So I, I like him at 3.75 to score anytime. He's not my official pick, partly because he didn't start against Posh in their last league game. So I'll be looking for the team sheet um, before backing Sam Smith at 3.75. My nap is, well, this week I've just kind of reminded myself that this year is the year of the stance. Uh, and in the second half of last season, that approach seemed to work quite well. Just just trying to find kind of confident viewpoints on teams that could last a few weeks. So either getting with or against teams repeatedly over the course of three weeks or so, and, and then judging the success of the stance, I guess, by the end of that period, rather than treating every single game week and every single betting show like a completely isolated um, event. Uh, I'd quite like to get back to that. So um, we're going to do that by getting against Colchester United as they travel away from home once again, just like we did last week in the winning nap uh, against Newport. So crew are the team that I'm backing at 2.2, six to five with the Betfair Sportsbook. And it's basically because until I see any evidence that Cole, you have an idea of how to perform properly away from home, I'll be betting against them when they travel. Um, just remind you of some of the lines from last week when I picked Newport to beat them. Uh, their record away from home in the league, eight games, no wins, one draw, seven defeats. They're bottom of league two. Their last few away since uh, the manager, the new manager Bloomfield came in, a 1-0 defeat at Swindon where they offered very little, uh, a 1-0 defeat at Newport where they offered very little, a 3-1 loss up at Barrow uh, last Tuesday, their goal of consolation right at the end, uh, and then that 2-0 loss uh, in the FA Cup against Newport. Now, it's quite hard to find data for FA Cup games. The best I can do is the old BBC live text, which feels like a real old school approach. Uh, but five shots total for, for, for Cole U, one on target, which was a header from Chester's, three of those five shots from outside the box missing the target. So th they're still, they still haven't worked out any way of, of attacking the opposition goal. Uh, in five of eight away games in the league, they've had one or no shots on target. Um, they average 5.8 shots total per game in away games, the lowest in the whole of the EFL. So really poor away from home, home Cole U. From the crew side, it, it's it's almost immaterial, but it's an interesting moment where Alex Morris, the manager, has stepped back um, a family bereavement and some some personal issues off the back of that um, in his family have led to him basically saying he, he couldn't focus on the job. He's admitted that the last few weeks in particular, he hasn't been able to give it what's needed. So he stepped back. Uh, and in the first game under Lee Bell, the interim, uh, it was a late winner to beat league leaders Orient in the FA Cup. So you'd have to hope there'll be at least a, a hint of positivity after that. H how long that will last, I guess, depends on how the game goes. They've not been great recently, but um, Baker Richardson should be back here after a much needed rest. Last Saturday, he's a very strong attacker for the level. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dirty stancing against Colu backing crew at uh, six to five. Uh, next best, Nick. Um, I'm going to go to the Championship. I'm going to go to the East Lancashire Derby between the top two 
the mm-hmm. championship. And I am going to back the best team in the league, Burnley, to beat Blackburn at around 8 to 11. Um, a massive blip, 45-minute blip last week at Bramall Lane, where they forgot how to defend set pieces. But aside from that, in the last six to eight weeks, I think Burnley have been head and shoulders the best team in the championship. And to be blunt, I don't think Blackburn are. I don't think they're really close to that. I think all of their all of the numbers, all of the metrics suggest Blackburn are a, a solid mid-table side, which is no disgrace in being. And they are they're, they're, they're getting results in games that are, that are decided by one goal. and They aren't drawing. They haven't drawn a game all season. And that really helps your league position. If you can win and lose a game rather than draw two, it's worth an extra point every time. And um, Blackburn are doing that. Um, but I just think that over the course of the 46 games, these games, they're nicking 1-0, the Huddersfield game, the 2-1 over Birmingham. Um, it was 2-0 over Sunderland, but even then they were, you know, they, they weren't the dominant force. Um, and then they went to Coventry and they were, you know, fairly well outplayed at Coventry. Um, I, I just think Burnley in this derby with the, you know, with, with the, the atmosphere as it will be at Turf Moor will have too much for them. Um, and I do think Black, Blackburn may well be able to stay in a top six battle until the end of the season now because of the start that they've got off to and, and, and fair play to the new manager coming in for um, Thomason for, for doing that. But I think a goal difference of just plus five through 10, 20 games tells a bit of a story of a team who probably aren't in the right league position in second place. Um, and I do think as draws inevitably start to arrive, um, their points accumulation will have to slow down and going away to the to what I believe are the best team and I think the team that will win the league here, I think in this fierce derby, Blackburn fans won't won't enjoy me saying it, but I think Burnley will have too much for them. Just too many weapons, too many um, attacking options, create too much in open play. Um, and as long as they keep their head at set pieces like they didn't at Bramall Lane, mm. I think Burnley will win this game and 8-11 and to 11 is, is fine as my next best. Okay, yeah, my approach is a bit uh, different here. I guess if I want to get back to being stance-based, uh, then I, I have to go with it, even if it's a bit scary. Uh, and and that leads me to backing Rochdale at twenty-three to ten at home to Mansfield. Uh, it's it's a bit scary backing a team in the bottom six to beat a team in the top ten. I probably haven't done it too often on on this show, but there you go. Um, this is broadly a team that I have quite a good feeling about against one that's having a bit of a weird one at the moment. Um, since early October, I've been keeping an eye on, on Rochdale. There are some things that I've I've seen and liked. It's interesting that you spoke earlier about numbers, uh, obviously not being the be-all and end-all and, and having to try and trust your eyes if you're someone that thinks you can you know, read football and, and knows football. For Rochdale, there are things that I've seen and liked that have been kind of reflected in results. They've been pretty good. Uh, in their last eight, they've won four, lost three, drawn one, conceding just under a goal a game, seven in their last eight, only scoring eight in that time. So haven't quite got it right on the attacking end, but much better than the first nine games. I think it's it's really important to remember that Rochdale had two points after nine league games. Uh, Bentley inherited the team after six, uh, at a ridiculously low ebb, and then had to play Carlisle, Leighton Orient and Northampton first up. Um, and I think they got one point from that. So... I'm going to be honest and say the underlying numbers don't suggest a miraculous change under Bentley. And they really, you know, they haven't, in terms of the underlyings, had a huge uptick. But I've seen what I think is strong management, a really strong approach from Bentley. He seems to have the players bought in. It's fair to say they were not giving Robbie Stockdale 
everything and the way that they defended particularly set pieces was a bit of a telltale sign there. It, it's a solid 4-2-3-1 where they defend pretty deep. They invite the opposition onto them, which is, you know, a little bit scary against a good attacking team like Mansfield. But it's because their their best avenue of attack is in transition. One of the things I really liked when I was watching them a bit more closely was the speed in particular of Rodney uh, down the wing, Tyree Sinclair, who might have extra motivation against the team that released him in the summer. Uh, Odo as well, the winger blows probably more cold than hot, but sometimes you see him do a bit of skill or, or a run and you think that there must be something there. And that's been effective, that 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 counter-attacking approach. That excites me particularly against a, a Mansfield team that I think are quite open. Um they are having a bit of a weird one at the minute. Uh, they look very ro- vulnerable recently defensively. Um, and and when that's the case and you're looking for answers, it's hard not to look at some quite unusual team selections from Clough. Um, the fact that players seem to play different positions every other week, some of them, you know, some of them going right wing back to up front, some of them going centre back to centre midfield. It's a bit of an odd squad in some ways. Like all of a sudden, McLaughlin, the left wing back, probably their best player, gets injured and that's only then that you realize he's their only natural left wing back. Um Harbottle is arguably their only truly natural center back and he's a young loanee who who came off injured in midweek. So it's easy to point at players like O'Toole and Perch, Hawkins, Harbottle at times as well. They've all looked really exposed and and it doesn't look good sometimes when you see the goals they're conceding. But I tend to think that comes back to the system being wrong. If if your defenders aren't are being exposed that regularly and they're not the type of defender that's comfortable defending space, defending quick attackers in transition. It's not really their fault. It's on the manager to make sure that doesn't happen. But Clough's approach leads to it happening quite a lot. Um, Lost 2-1 at home to Bradford on Tuesday. They lost to Swindon before that. They were second best in a draw to Newport before that. So maybe there'll be a rousing comeback and a return to form. It's only a few weeks ago we were talking about Mansfield. We, We felt like the numbers suggested they were the best team in the league. But if they head into this with the same attitude defensively as the last few weeks, I think they could get surprised because I think particularly Rodney down Mansfield's left can cause some problems here. I, I think uh, Rochdale come into this with some good vibes after after a win against Salford in midweek and Ian Henderson breaking the all-time goal-scoring record. I'd probably prefer Scott Quigley to be fit and playing instead of Henderson, to be honest. I think he's the perfect front man for this system, but uh, he, he probably won't be back. I'm hoping he will be. Either way, Rochdale, 23 to 10 at home to Mansfield is my next best. Don't forget, it's bet 10, get two with the Betfest Sportsbook. That means if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet at T's and C's in the description of the pod and make sure you check them out before opting in. Uh, Over to the exchange now, Nick, where we like to get against a team, uh, put up a lay bet each week. I've already mentioned mine, which is Bolton in line with your nap. Uh, Who are you getting against this week? I'm going to stay in League One, and my lay is Derby around 2.04, 2.06 around there, away to Milton Keynes Dons. Two reasons for this: one is I do I do believe there's been there are signs of improvement from Milton Keynes Dons now after a really really bad start, arguably the worst team in League One for the first two or three months, uh, where they'd lost a lot of quality over the summer, and they found it very hard to um, well, it was impossible to replace the players that they'd lost over the last 12 to 18 months anyway. Um, and the, and they just sort of lost their identity a bit. Uh, and it, there's just some signs for me that it's coming back. Um, they, 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 um, the excellent win at Charlton. Um, they got a draw at Cheltenham where they were the better side. 
And then they've had the two cup games where they've put six past non-league Taunton and they beat Morecambe in, um, in the Carabao on Tuesday as well. So confidence-wise, those two cup wins are going to help them. Um, just some signs to me that, that that Manning has got them a bit more where he wants them. And like, They're not going to be the side they were last year, challenging for, around the playoffs. But I wouldn't be surprised now if you start to see Milton Keynes start to pull up towards mid-table, which would be really annoying for me because I backed them for relegation back in September when I pinpointed that, that I quickly realised that they were poor. But I do mm. think they're improving now. And I think I'll actually lose that bet, albeit it seemed value at the time at a, at a decent price. I don't I don't think that bet will win now. I think they're going to get out of it and and, um, and be fine. Um, on the other on the Derby side, I still think Paul Warren is starting to, is, is, is getting to to know this squad properly and decide how he wants to play. He moved from from three at the back to, to a four four two the last couple of league games against Bristol Rovers and Morecambe. They haven't kept the clean sheet in either of those games against bottom half and uh, inside in Bristol Rovers and probably the worst team in the league against in Morecambe. Um, so the move into a four hasn't made them defensively um, more secure at the moment. Um, and so for, uh, also they've obviously gone to Anfield Wednesday night mm. and, and, and the game's gone to penalties. Um, could there be a bit of flatness from them after that? You, you play a Wednesday night cup game, the players get Thursday off. So they're having one day in on the Friday ahead of a Saturday game. Whereas MK played at home on the Tuesday, their day off will be Wednesday. And so they're in Thursday and Friday and raring to go for this. So I wonder if this is a spot where we get a bit of flatness from Derby um, and a, you know close to evens around 204, 206 to lay. I think there's probably some value in being with Milton Keynes here. Perhaps they're a side that the market hasn't quite clocked the improvement in yet. And in three or four weeks' time, maybe this is 230, 240 on the exchange. And that's the kind of things that we're looking to find. Something that in a couple of weeks' time might be a different price because the market isn't fully on board with what's changed yet. And maybe they haven't they haven't quite seen enough to, from MK Dons to believe it. And, I, and I'm more on board with that. And I think we can get some value here, Lane Derby. Yeah, at the moment, I can never quite resist adding something of a longer dart to my betting show selections. I'm using the goals pick for it this week. A 19 to 1 double uh, in League One. It's Portsmouth to win and under 2.5 goals at Morecambe and Barnsley to win and under 2.5 goals at Shrewsbury. From a Portsmouth perspective, 3 to 1 to win and under 2.5 at Morecambe. They're obviously pretty short to win the game, as you'd expect. Their away games this season have been pretty low on chances in general, I'd say. Not very exciting stuff. All four away wins have been to nil and one nil or two nil. So hitting the win and under 2.5. I don't think the Cowleys basically care about when they get ahead trying to batter teams, even the poor teams in the division. Um, they are the type of managers who who just want to manage the game, see it out, not expend too much energy. And I basically think they're pretty likely to beat Morecambe, likely to score the first goal and, and see it out from there. Uh, and then Barnsley at Shrews, four to one to win and under 2.5 goals. I just, I really struggle to see how this wouldn't be the sort of bitty low margin game that both teams have have basically played out for the most part of their games this season. And I think that's fine for Barnsley. That's how they pretty much seem to like their away games to be. In eight away games, they've only conceded six. They've only scored nine, really low scoring stuff. Now, Shrew's main threat is, is from set pieces. We saw that again uh, on, on Wednesday night. They drew one all with Oxford at home. Their goal from Pennington from a set play. Barnsley have defended those about as well as anyone else in League One this season. Uh, only conceded two set piece goals so far. With Shrews having played in midweek, not the biggest squad as we know. Cottrell likes to keep it pretty small. Um, I, I think this points to 
good things for Barnsley. Um, I don't expect a match with much tempo. I don't expect the ball to be in play for very much of this. I probably wouldn't want to watch it as a neutral, but I think Barnsley can edge it. So, so the double is Portsmouth in under 2.5, Barnsley in under 2.5. Um, that's a 19 to 1 double with Betfair Sportsbook, hoping for a couple of one or two nil wins uh, there. How have you approached your goals pick, Nick? I've just, I've just gone for one, maybe a little bit boring compared to yours. I've just gone for one straight single. No, we like uh, that. And, it's, I'm st- and I'm staying in League One again. And I'm taking over 2.5 goals in the game between Lincoln and Plymouth Argyle. And this is really all about Argyle. Six of their seven away games in the league so far have gone over two and a half. The only one that didn't was a 1-0 win at Wickham. Um, for me with Argyle, perhaps the reason I think they might get promoted this season, but didn't last season, is the way that this year they're able to go on the road and impose their style on away games in a, in a manner that they couldn't quite do a lot of the time last season. I think that's where they've improved. They're able to go into these... and So so Lincoln, for me, are quite an underish team, albeit they had that crazy 6-3 at Bristol Rovers early in the year. But in general, their games have been quite tight and under, whereas Plymouth away from home are much more open, high tempo. So you've got, you've got a style clash here. And what I'm looking to try to ascertain is which style will be dominant, which will override the other. And I see enough from Plymouth in these away games this season that when they go away, games get played how they want them to be played now, which wasn't the case last year. And so the market sees an unders team against an overs team and it's and it, you know, it's down the middle, close to evens, each of two, um, the two and a half line. But I think there's much more chance of the game being played the way that Plymouth wants it to be played. And if it is, it becomes a more, more of an overs match. So I want to be over two and a half here. Um, all because I think the game will be played Plymouth's way. We've got evidence that they have been. Six of their seven away league games have have turned out that way. Um, and, I do, and I do think Plymouth will probably get promoted this season. I've, you know, I'm a huge fan of them. I think they, the improve. I didn't think they could improve, if I'm honest, over the summer. I thought you know what they did to, to finish in the top seven last year and be up there all season was overachieving. And it would be really hard to do that again. They've completely proven me wrong. They're better than they were last year. And all credit to them. Uh, and this is a game where I want to be with, with goals. And I, and, I, and I would need them to score at least one here, probably two or more uh, to, to cop. And I'm, I'm happy to be with that. Okay. Well, remember that Betfair's Bet Builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. You can easily add trending Football League Bet Builder selections to your bet slip in one tap. Head to the uh, football section of the Betfair Sportsbook app. You'll see them uh, at the top of the screen there. Nick, can you tell me who you would like to score this weekend in the EFL? What's your goal scorer pick? Yes. So here, so this player, this will be his last game for a little while because he's off to the World Cup. Oh, interesting. He sco- Is he well? He scored a goal. <laughs> he, sco- he scored a goal in midweek, but he scored it in the wrong goal. Oh, it's Lut- Luton Town's Tom Lockyer, hey. who came on my radar as a goal scorer at set pieces when he was a. Bristol Rovers back in 1819 and then he went really quiet in the goal department for ages and all of a sudden looking through my numbers the last two games at Blackpool and at Stoke Mr Lockyer has popped up with four decent chances in two games then, unfortunately then he put one in his own goal the other night but they're at home to Rotherham at the weekend so your your team expected goals here are a bit higher than normal because you're at home to Rotherham who are one of the weaker sides in the league Albeit we understand variants and, and Sheffield United couldn't score a goal against them in midweek. 
But in general, if you're home to Rotherham, you're expected to score more goals than in a standard league game. So we've got Lockyer having maybe more opportunities here than in the in the normal game. And he has been on the he had a he had a shot at goal um which was saved from about six yards from a corner at Stoke. Two half chances of headers at Blackpool. There's opportunities coming for him, and I've seen enough there at sixteen to one to score any time to think you know that's that's fine to bet in in his last game before he goes off um to to, to see what Wales can do. So my goal scorer is not Sam Smith at three point seven five. It is Sam Vokes at three point one twenty one to ten with the Betfair sportsbook for Vokes to score any time for Wickham. Away at Forest Green, I'm not feeling great about Forest Green at the moment. Um, as we felt they might do pre-season, they are really struggling with the step up, uh, struggling with the quality in the division. They didn't come up with what a lot of teams come up with, that nice continuity, if you like. Some people call it momentum. Uh, they didn't come up with that because the manager changed. Uh, a lot of the key players changed. And I don't really want to throw the new players under the bus I think it's unfair and very hard to judge the new lot against the old lot who were playing in a lower league who were playing in a winning team each week Uh, it's very difficult I think to come into this Forest Green team at the level that they've reached but it's also clear that a a large part of this football team is just struggling to compete um, in, in a difficult division. They're conceding just over two goals a game on average. They've got a back line that's not particularly dominant aerially. Um, in in recent weeks, I've mentioned on the Monday pod, some some young defenders have been getting a lot of uh, starts. Uh, Christian Marquez, one of them, seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, Harvey Bunker as well, who, who had a game or two. Birchnell doesn't seem that keen on some of the, the more experienced centre-backs that he has at his disposal. Now, that's where the Vokes excitement comes in, really, because Vokes is not plundering goals at the moment. But if you scratch the surface, I think they're coming. Um, since the start of October, he has the highest total XG in League One. Uh, only Windass and Whitaker, who are both sort of trigger-happy shot merchants, a lot from outside the box. Uh, only those two have taken more shots than him in that time. Uh, he's only scored two in seven in this period, but... He's had some ridiculously bad luck. Two great-headed goals scored recently, uh, both of them disallowed in the last um, couple of games as well. Now, that's not going to happen every single time. They are regulation Sam Vokes goals. Uh, And against a a Forest Green side, vulnerable defensively, particularly in the air, with Vokes looking sharp and getting good opportunities, um, I'm very happy with the 21-10 that the Betfair Sportsbook are offering. Uh, So that's my goal scorer pick this week. Sam Vokes at 21-10. Nick, before we let you go... Can you recap your selections, please? So the nap for this week is Cambridge at 14 to 5 at home to Bolton. Uh, the next best is Burnley in the East Lanks Derby around 8 to 11. Um, my lay selection is Derby, about 2.06 away to Milton Keynes. And my goals pick Lincoln Plymouth over 2.5 and, and Tom Lockyer to score any time 16 to 1. Let's hope something wins there. <laughs> yeah, yes, let's definitely hope something wins there. <laughs> My nap is crew to beat Colchester United 2.265 that with the Betfair Sportsbook. My next best is Rochdale to beat Mansfield at 23 to 10. 
I've laid Bolton at 2.02 on the Betfair exchange. My goals double is a 19 to 1 uh, double. Portsmouth and under 2.5 goals at Morecambe, 3 to 1. And Barnsley and under 2.5 goals at Shrewsbury, 4 to 1. That spits out 19 to 1 with the Betfair sportsbook. And my goal scorer is Sam Vokes at 21 to 10. We never want George to miss a pod, but uh, if he has to miss a pod, we always want uh, Nick Goff to take his place. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Um, there's definitely going to be an occasion or two in the next few weeks where I myself will be away. So um, hopefully, if you've enjoyed yourself, if all goes well, um, we'll have you back on if that's right with you. Yeah, good. Catch you again soon. Cheers, Ali. It's been great fun. It's been the Not The Top 20 betting show it's been sponsored by betfair as always a big thank you to betfair for their support of this podcast uh, on both the monday show and the thursday betting show we'll be back on monday with a breakdown of the efl weekend the last set of championship fixtures for a few weeks plenty going on in leagues one and two as well we hope that you'll join us then have a great weekend everyone go out